0: I'm joined this week by Lucas Susano. He's an assistant district manager in the Buffalo, New York area, and we're talking all about small trees. But Lucas, how do we say? How do we de- define a small tree? That could be, in some cases, thirty feet, forty feet tall, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a kind of a relative sort of reference. I mean, some exactly would classify a small tree as you know, something 15 feet in height or less, you know, something that they can plant as an ornamental or, you know, some people like to think of small trees as 30 to 40 feet. I guess (laughs) it's just a matter of relation and what you're used to.
0: So it seems uh, just from looking overall in the gardening world that uh, in general, people are looking for, for smaller trees, shrubs to tuck in here and there. When you do get a client, and certainly as long as I've been doing this podcast, I know right tree, right place. You know that's right. a broken record for me. But when they're asking you, you know, hey, I want to, I want to put in a, a small tree. Talk a little bit about looking over the site and what 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 kind of trees you have in mind.
1: Yeah, so I mean that's definitely a, a good point. I mean, getting the right tree for the right spot is essentially going to set you up for success or not, um, <clears throat> and determining, you know, what what tree would be best suited for those sites, and, you know, as well as what you're looking for as far as maybe aesthetics or blooms or fragrance fragrances um, are all things that you want to take into, into account. I mean, there's, there's plenty of options out there, lots of varieties of trees, depending on what people would be looking for, um, as well as the zones that they would be best suited for. Um, you know, so for instance, I mean, there's some small trees out there that do really well, like American hornbeams, uh, Japanese maples are very sought after for, you know, just their, their nice elegant look. And you can get the different varieties of green or red leaf that add nice aesthetic touches to, to their landscapes.
0: School me a little bit about that American hornbeam. I put one in probably three years ago uh, because I saw one uh, uh, at a, a public garden and I just, I loved that uh, the look of the wood itself. Right. How, how, how big we're going to get there with an American horn beam? Well, in time and assuming that the tree stays healthy, uh, which I imagine
1: you'll do your due diligence to ensure. Um, I mean, you'd probably be looking anywhere from 20 to 30 feet. And I'm, I agree with you there. The the bark on those trees are are very neat. I do also like the aesthetics and smoothness of that bark. It's very unique.
0: You know, I've I've lost a lot of oak trees in my forest, and so I'm I'm trying to plant things to to add some diversity. So after my American hornbeam, uh, what else comes to mind as far as a a, a small tree for you?
1: Um, so, I mean, you can go some different routes if you wanted to get something flowering, perhaps. I mean, you could go with
0: some varieties of dogwood, uh, even perhaps some crab apples. So when we're talking about dogwoods, I love native dogwoods, you know, both the white and the pink. But somebody once told me, I, I asked them, when's the best time to move a dogwood? And they said, never, because it's it's, <laughs> it's shallow rooted. Uh, tell me a little bit about when you're thinking about putting a dogwood in, okay to plant in the spring, right? Sure. Yeah, it's okay to plant in the spring. Um,
1: Typically, like with the dogwoods, I mean, similar to that of like the Japanese maple, they can be a little bit more uh, tender and require a little more finesse. So if something like that had to happen, if you didn't get it right the first time, uh, I would probably look at transplanting coming into fall or as the trees are starting to approach dormancy. So it'd be a little bit less taxing on the
0: trees. And again, you know, I think, most people love Japanese maples, but eventually some of them I've seen, you know, I know, I know in general, I'm guessing it's a slow grower. That's what I've, I've heard over the years, but correct. Uh, I've seen some really big ones, you know, like uh, after, you know, 30 years, mm-hmm. you can have a really nice sized tree. Do you see them used a lot in the landscape? Uh, I do, especially in our area. A lot of people like them as, as smaller
1: feature trees. Uh, unfortunately, you do see some that are, are planted in full sun exposure, which isn't really the ideal setting for them. But uh, unbeknownst to them, they just find a spot they think it looks good and run with it. Uh, but it is a very prominent tree in the area, and they do offer uh, a very nice elegance at a slower growing capacity. So you get to maintain a more constant feature in your landscape for a longer period of time.
0: Well that's good to know about where I'm supposed to plant it. So tell me a little bit about that. Not full sun, that's not the best spot for it. Where should I put it? Yeah, I mean you you'd,
1: you'd want to have a little bit of shade cover cuz a Japanese maple in full sun, I mean you're always going to run into wilting of the leaves. They just it just can't handle full sun. So it's um you know, definitely want to plan accordingly so that we can put them in the best spot with a little bit of shade cover so they're not fully exposed.
0: And there there's like a million different types of Japanese maples I've seen out there. Do you have a certain one that you like to to put in, or I guess it depends on the situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, it typically depends on the situation. The most common one we use around here is the uh, blood red Japanese maple, Uh, very common and, I mean, typical Japanese maple branch structure, a little bit more of an outgrowing canopy so it'll have a lower wider appearance as opposed to a more slender and vertical growth
0: well over the last several weeks crab apples have come up a lot i am a big fan of crab apples i've told listeners that i have this beautiful crab apple that a pine tree crushed and that my team from davy tree saved it's right outside the kitchen window i was just doing my dishes out there lucas and and waiting for that thing to butt out but I know they have fungal issues. Is that an issue in the Buffalo area too? We have that fungal issue problem here. Yeah, it definitely is. We
1: have a, a lot of issue with apple scab affecting our crab apples, a, a very, very prominent issue in our area. Um, and fortunately, we have many customers um, and friends of clients that utilize our services to help maintain because they do require some some attention and care so that we can help prevent further progression of of the leaf disease.
0: Yeah, that's something I'm going to have to deal with. Uh, I I love a crab apple actually right when it's budding, right before it opens, there's that dark bud and then it opens to that really beautiful pink. To me, it reminds me of like the old schoolyard. We had a lot of uh, crab apples always in these old schools that, you know, from my era (laughs) where the teacher would be speaking and I would be out looking out the window at the crab apples. But uh, is there any special crab apple you guys are planting that you like better than any other one? Or is it just kind of a standard, here, stick a crab apple in?
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't have any go-tos as far as the crab apples. Most of them offer their own um, pleasantries and you know the different flowers, the different colors, the different shapes and sizes. I mean, there's just... Such a wonderful variety, it's very hard to choose one versus the
0: other. So one thing I wanted to ask you about, because when I was thinking about this topic of small trees, I was wondering, can a small tree grow in a container or is that a bad idea? So
1: in essence, yes, a small tree could grow in a container. The only problem is that it's going to be limited limited in its capacity And essentially, it would only be able to last so long. So if you were going to keep something in a container, um, I feel you're putting essentially a shortened lifespan on that tree because it doesn't have any room to grow and develop. It's going to be limited in its capacity to um, obtain necessary moisture, oxygen, nutrients, all the things that are fundamental to um, the vegetation sustaining itself.
0: All right, that makes sense. So here's the scenario in my garden, and so you're gonna you're gonna school me on this too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. All right, I got a little Japanese maple in a container as the thriller in the middle. Okay. Now I know it can't stay there forever, and it's been there now for this is the second season. It made it through the winter. Okay. But again, I can I, I'm always concerned about a tree in a container in the winter because you don't have the, those roots. Down in the ground where, where they're protected. Well, okay, this this Japanese maple has made it. I love it. It it's uh, like a coral. Maybe they call it coral bark. I'm not sure. It has red bark. Okay. Uh, it's probably about three foot tall. This season, I want to I want to continue to have it in the container, but then I think it's going to be ready. I want to put it into the ground in the fall. Uh, your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I think that's a very good course of action. Um, Once you do come time um, ready to do it, I mean, just ensuring that your your planting practices are in check as far as the depth, you know, so when you get it out of that container, ensuring that you have that root flare exposed, and then you can get an adequate gauge as far as how deep you need to make the hole, making it wide enough to accommodate the space and be able to work around it.
0: All right, so I want to pick your brain on just uh some of your favorite trees that don't get planted as often as they should be since you're working with trees day in and day out is there are there any things that come to mind that don't get you know seventy feet tall that <laughs> that you have in your mind that say, boy, you know what i'd love to put this in the corner over here i'd love to put one over here, and again, I know it 's all about the site right well, going
1: back to the beginning of our conversation um I feel like hornbeams aren't talked about nearly enough. They are a very gorgeous tree. Um, They do not get too large as far as, um, you know, what I would deem large. You know, the 20 to 30 feet, I feel is very respectable for a lot of uh, residential properties not being overwhelming or overtaking, you know, some of these smaller yards. You put a tree in and potentially, you know, that ends up taking up the whole yard and you don't have any usable space anymore. But uh, the hornbeams are something that I I would like to see more of. Um, And then... I feel like dogwoods are more traditional in some landscapes, but aren't really sought after as new planting ideas to uh, revamp landscapes or to create new landscapes. So those are some more that I would like to see being actively planted.
0: Okay, I'm your client, and I come to you and I say, I want a Rosa Sharon to plant here. What do you tell me?
1: (laughs) Well, if the Rose is sharing it's just funny that you should say this because I actually just had that scenario yesterday <laughs> <laughs> on one of my appointments. And in that particular situation, the homeowner had done a lot of extensive research, had um, worked in an area where they sold vegetation. i might have been Home Depot or, or something of the sort. So obviously the vegetation that she could select from was limited to that you would find in a nursery perhaps. But um, she had looked through a lot of different shrubs and things that she that she liked, and she set on the Rose of Sharon. And, you know, she was really adamant, talked about it for several minutes, and then asked me, you know, do you think I should plant something else? I'm like, well, honestly, from what you just told me, you really like the Rose of Sharon, and I, I feel like you have your heart set in it, and the location that you want to plant it in would be a reasonable spot. So if, if that's what you really want, I don't want to waste all your weeks or months of research to, to give you another selection and sway you the other way. So if that's what you really like, um, you know, I, I'd say, I'd say go with it so long as it's going to be in a good spot and going to be set up to, to thrive. And I mean, the best way to know, cause I mean, there's hundreds and thousands of varieties of, of plants or shrubs or small trees. Um, you know, the best thing to do is, is do your research and, You know, if you can't find something online that you like, visit your local nursery, you know, walk through the aisles, see what, what piques your interest and, and ask questions because most nurseries are going to have very knowledgeable staff that can help direct you uh, one way or another.
0: So Lucas, believe it or not, when I moved here 24 years ago, I actually brought a rose of Sharon with me from my old garden and people just think that is the craziest thing, but just let me, let me explain real quick. Okay. (laughs) please do. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, when my kids were little, there was a Rose of Sharon that was right by the basketball hoop and it took a beating. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just dug up a little one just to remind me of that that period when my kids were playing basketball and they were young like that. And so that's why that Rose of Sharon has a special meaning to me. But let's talk a little bit about why people hate Rose of Sharon, especially just, just the, the normal variety that drops seeds everywhere. Right. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: you know, there's, there's pros and cons to them. I mean, one of the issues that we've been finding are um, we've actually, they can be very quick growers and depending on the season, their blooms can, um, you know, be affected to come out later than normal or earlier than normal. And, you know, last season specifically, uh, with the environmental conditions we had, we had a lot of instances where Rosa Sharon were had grown so much, and the blooms became so heavy that they were just keeling over, and we were having a lot of Rosa Sharon's sustaining damage. And you know, these people have had these these shrubs on their properties for for years, and now a lot of them have been just destroyed based on just natural growth habits, you know, due to their adaptation to the environmental conditions. You know, so it's, it's, it's tough, you know, in some instances, you know, there's only so much that you can do within your control. um, And a lot of things are going to respond differently to the situation. And you just got to do your best to nurse them back and keep them going. If that's, you know, the pride and joy of your landscape or sentimental value, such as the one that
0: you took back. And then there's all those little babies everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what, Lucas, I actually, since, since I am like, I've fallen in love with Rosa Sharons because of these different reasons. I found one that's supposed to be sterile. Uh, it's called Sugar Tip, so we'll see.
1: You Interesting. Know, okay.
0: Been, double pink flowers with variegated foliage, but if it isn't sterile, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to have Rosa <laughs> Sharon growing everywhere. Now, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about your job, about what you do, and how you got into it. What was your path to, to finding your way to what you're doing? Uh,
1: so actually it was, it was by chance that an opening came up in, in this operation here in, in Buffalo, New York. And at the time I was looking for employment and, uh, ended up coming into our office, um, for the opening of a, a lawn technician with no prior experience, but I liked the idea of, of our bore culture and, uh, you know, the idea of working outside and got my foot in the door through lawn care, um. And then slowly worked my way into the surgery side, working with tree crews and just found a passion for that. I, I thought I was going to be doing that for many more years to come, just because um, under like, learning about trees, understanding trees, doing uh, the technical work was just very fascinating to me. And it just, uh, again, working outdoors is just something that I, I think is a little overrated by some, like it... or. Maybe that's a poor choice of words. Just not really understood how much it can do for someone being exposed to the elements, being outside, not confined to a you know a small space of an office or a desk or whatever the case may be, and uh, just help develop a passion that, frankly, I didn't even really know I had.
0: Um, well, somebody who grew up it. in Cleveland, and since you're in Buffalo, uh, I I know that you can appreciate the break in the season that the that spring is here. Talk a little bit about your relationship with your customers. Uh, so,
1: as of right now, especially in the uh, in the role that I am as assistant district manager, um, you know, right now is is the season of getting people uh, well, contacting people again and getting things set up for the new season. Doing a lot of site visits to see how previous programs have worked um, or different opportunities that we've had on properties. You know how things are holding up with the conditions. I mean, being in Western New York, this winter was pretty tough, had significant amounts of snow. Um, and with that, you know, its own set of problems with, you know, snow damage or frost damage on, on small or large trees and just assessing properties so that we can make sure that come, you know, with the weather breaking now that everything is held up as it should, if there's anything that needs to be addressed, um, you know, coming up with the correct course of action so that they can set up the season on the right foot.
0: You know, before we got going, I told you that the team, my local team from Davy, was here yesterday doing work we had planned to do, getting to those oaks uh, right Mm -hmm. at the end of the season here to get that done. But then my certified arborist (laughs) found uh, a tree that was in decline that I didn't even know was in decline. And it's a big tree and it's right over the garage. And, and even though I talk about this all the time on the podcast, let's finish off with just telling people how important it is to have this expert, to have this certified arborist coming out and looking around and finding these things so that they can be taken care of in a timely manner.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. Um... A lot of things that happen on a property is, is not common knowledge. I mean, your average homeowner will know they, they need to mow the grass. They need to water in times of drought. You know, how much or how little, you know, maybe is, is unknown. But then you get into landscape shrubs or trees. Uh, I mean, even the turf, you know, there's, there's significant problems that can happen within the turf itself. And a lot of these things, you know, to the untrained eye will not seem as, as dire concerns. You know, so having having someone come out, uh, a certified arborist come out to inspect a property, to do a walkthrough with you just to help you learn and understand what is on your property. You know, if you just have grass, I mean, there's things to know about that as well. But there's a lot that there is to be learned as far as, you know, shrubs or trees are are concerned that, you know, in the end can help preserve one, the health and vigor on your property. And two, potential safety, as you just mentioned, you know, you didn't know this tree was in decline, you know, what's to say the right condition comes up. And without you knowing, you don't know how to be proactive to stop something detrimental from happening.
0: Well, that's the next job is to get that big tree out of here. And so I'm going to be (laughs) scheduling that. Lucas, that's great advice. I really appreciate your time. And it was fun to talk about small trees and and thanks for all the information. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Of course, Doug. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: If you are looking for a really cool Rose of Sharon that does not make lots of babies, check out that sugar tip. It's one of my favorites. Next week, we're going to talk about one of the most important aspects of tree care that's mulching the right way. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast. We're having fun, aren't we? And as always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.